December 12, 2021. Let's continue in Nefesh HaHayim and Sha'ar Dalit, Perik Yod Zayim. It's on page 707 here in these blue books. And if you recall, what uh, Nefesh HaHayim has been mentioning and developing over the course of the last several Perakim, the last several chapters, is this, this concept, quite simply stated, that Torah has the ability to fashion and form a person and person's personality to the extent that uh, their engagement in this world will be an altogether different one than had they or were they not involved in Torah. That means it'll inform their understanding of the world. It means that the way people engage with them, that's what we saw in the last Perek, Talmid Hakam, the people, the Bnei Iro, the way they're going to treat him and support him, it means that a Talmid Hakam is qualitatively different and set apart from a person who's not studying Torah and hasn't achieved that status of Talmid Hakam. So here in Perek Yod Zayin, Nefesh Hayim continues that Yet a step further, it says, So it's after departure from this world, the Hachamim state, the Gemara at the very end of Masechet Hagiga, that the Ur, the fire, the heat of Gehinom, will not uh, overcome them, won't be Sholet, it won't control them. Now, I'm not going to purport to describe to you exactly what Gehinom is, but I will tell you that's the statement in the Gemara. So it's some sort of vision of after-death protection from Torah. And so too, the Hachamim earlier in Masechet Hagigas, they Talmit Hacham Shesarach en Toratonim Eset. So a Talmit Hacham who goes wrong, who goes foul, in other words, he stops following the ways of Torah and Misvot. The example, of course, over there, and the classic one is Elisha ben Avuya, the rabbi of Rabbi Meir. Nonetheless, en Torah tonim eset, his Torah continues. And the translation is Torah does not become repulsive. It's not disgusting. In other words, the Torah has a status and creates a stature within a person which continues onward even if they've left Torah, so to speak, or if they've left this world. Pasuk, the beginning of in the first uh, chapter of Mishle, Zoha Torah Asma. The reference in this Pasuk is to the Torah. Melisa. Why is the Torah known as Melisa? Melisa means to. Uh, Melisa really is a comment of sort, or maybe it's similar to a mashal. But uh, you know, the truth is, we used it uh, in Parashat two weeks ago. Melit is the intermediary. The Melit oftentimes is the one who protects. Uh, furthermore, you can play with the word, word uh, melitz, if you switch around the letters, the status of Torah, the potency of Torah, is that it can be the melitz, it can be the intermediary, the translator for you, uh, protecting you from what? Protecting you again from ura, from the burning furnace of Gehinom. Visham resh parasha bet benim tikah amarai. Furthermore, Mishle rabbata of Mish, uh, uh, the excuse me, the yeah, the the midrash on Mishle. Amar hakadosh baruch hu liYisrael al har Sinai kiviachol God turned to us and said on Sinai, im zechitem if you merited lehaspin ulekabel Torati v'laasota ani masil etchem mishalosh pur anuyot. If you've uh, merited, if you've been able to lehaspin, now that's a play, play on the word that the pesukim use over there, umitzvotai titzpon itach. But lehaspin, we know it from the Leil Seder, is safun. It's something that you've uh, set aside, you've uh, nestled away, you've 
hidden away. It's the words we saw in the last two Perakim. He described these innermost hadarim, to enter into an innermost world, not in the physical sense, through the study of Torah, is what it's all about, according to Nefesh HaChayim in these chapters. It means you see the world differently. It means you have an ability to transcend the regular mundane existence. And that's the lehaspin over here as well. Before we even read this comment, it's interesting and needs to be noted. He's mentioning really two concepts. I'm not really going to develop and talk about the difference, but he mentioned initially that even if, quote-unquote, you enter into Gehinom, well, the Torah will be maselet from the Ur. It'll save you from the burning uh, state of being over there. But then he continued onward, and he talked about this from Mishleh Rabbata, it's maselet oskea midinah shel Gehinom. It'll prevent the very entrance into Gehinom. Uh, either way you slice it, this midrash which he's citing is if zichitem spin again, you've been able to enter into those hadarim, you've, you've found that hidden chamber of Torah within yourself, within the world, <clears throat> and to properly accept the Torah and to fulfill it, I'll save you, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from three, uh, three uh, misfortunes. How do they translate it? Punishments. What are they? Mimilhemet Gogu Magog, of course, the description of this end of days war, Gogu Magog, in which many people will perish. Mehevlo Shel Mashiach, or they always translate as uh, the birth pangs of Mashiach, the difficulties of the days of Mashiach, and Medina Shel Gehinom, which of course is the one he's been referring to until now, the judgment of Gehinom. Furthermore, says the Midrash, this pasuk in Torati. There it is. If you've been able to hide away, you've been able to find the hidden chamber of Torah within yourself and world. I'll satiate you. I'll give you the hidden. Tob le'atid lavo. So not only will the safun of Torah save you from dinashil gehinom, it'll also enter you into tov ha-safun. Of course, a play again on that word safun, which of course is a reference to olam habashin e'mar ma'arav tu bechashe safanta. V'sham parasha yoda alef, and will suffice with this last paragraph. Amar bechanina ben dosa. In the chasedaka, there's no charity, there's no merit, righteousness. Shemaselet atadam midinashel gehinom elo Torah bilvad. It's Torah specifically, says this statement, that can save you from gehinom. Sheyesh ba koach lehasilotom yom hadin. It has the capability, the potency, the power to save you from the day of judgment. Vafilu nitchayev adam bidvar avera. Now that's the most significant line over here for my purposes today with you, is even if you have a hayyuv, you are liable for punishment as a result of sin, it still can, has the ability to save you from that day of judgment. Now wait a second, you've set forth for me until now, and I could have rationalized it in one way or another, the easiest way I could have understood this until now is, well Torah gives you the proper perspective, it means your life is a qualitatively different life, and as a result you acted differently, so maybe you sinned in the past, the Torah was your way of repenting, and as a result you lived life differently. But the statement over here is you have a hayyuv, you sinned. You should be, quote-unquote, demerited to the world of Gehinom, and nonetheless, Torah has the capability to save you from that. After death. After death. Yeah, Harem- you just gave, you said that the Torah affected you. We, the earlier example we did was that the person learned Torah, and then he went bad afterwards. 
That's right. Good. Even better, says Danny. I don't need to prove it from here. I could have proved it from earlier. If the Torah, even though it was nimesit, it's still, although that statement didn't fully flesh it out for us that it saves you from Geinom, it just said the Torah continues afterward. But you're right. It's the direction, it's the trajectory he's been sending us in throughout. There's the statement. It'll give you that. It'll act as your savior. It'll save you from Gehinom. So that's what I want to take a few moments to try to understand. How is it, what is it about the Torah, about a life of Torah, about the stature of a Talmud Chacham, about Torah at its highest level, deepest level, that has that capability in the eyes of the Chachamim, in the words of Nefesh HaChayim, Lehatzil Mi Gehinom. Yes? Can you just add to that also, we also Sounds even worse. It's Elishat ben Avuya, is it not? Again, Elishat ben Avuya was Yada'at Boro, in the words of the Hachamim, Umarad Bo. And nonetheless, truth is, the Gemara and Hagiga, the Talmud Yerushalmi, if I'm not mistaken, it's not fully clear the whole Elishat ben. He touches on it later in the Pedic, which we won't necessarily uh, t- touch on today or read today. But uh, the question is over there, the absolute stature of Rish'ut, which uh, Rabbi's referring to, of Yada'at Boro, Umarad Bo. There, we'll have to question. There, it's not fully certain if Elisha ben Abuya was able to marry independently. Uh, so maybe to be Ohanan helped him, maybe to be Meir helped him. Of course, those are questions. How does that work? But in the most basic sense, so you're not a Rashat per se, but you have sinned. You're telling me that's uh, in the eyes of Hachamim, not merit, demeriting or not leading you to Gehinom? Not certain. The Gemara Masechet Roshana has a person, a Karkavta de la Manach Tefilin. Explain it accordingly, but in the most expansive sense, uh, it's a person who has scoffed at the mitzvah of tefillin. Would you per se say that it's a person yadat boro maradbo? And unless the Gemara has all sorts of affliction and gainom attached to that person, we deal with these sorts of individuals and some. And describing that, you have some sort of a chance to prevent either the torture, the suffering, be it as it, as it will be, or the very entrance into Gehinom, into that Dinah Shel Gehinom, through Torah, how and why so. So I'd, I'd develop it. What's that? I can't imagine it's only one Avera. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't need to go there. I, uh, he's not. He's not talking about Rasha. That was Rabbi's introduction. I don't need to go there. I need to deal with this Gehinom business that he's referring to. The Avera can't be just one. Uh, he's talking about in general. Why would we distinguish between one or, or, or more than another? It's the Lashon of the Midrash. I think it's just the way. Dvar Avera. It's matters of Avera. Well, that being the case, here's the direction I would bring you, and it's very much what we began to discuss last week, what we've on several occasions touched on, and I'll bring you back to a midrash we mentioned last week in the first source. The midrash, of course, is waxing poetic on the description in the Torah of us initially receiving not Torah on parchment, but rather on luchot. Ask the midrash Hagadosh, source number one. Lama natan lahen luchot. Why did Hagadosh Baruch need to give us? Uh, stones, tablets, uh, with which we understood and accepted the Torah. Lirmoz lahen, 
there was a uh, hint that was uh, intuited to the people through them, that they shouldn't remain just on uh, ch- chiseled onto stones, but we should in turn let that affect us and write the Torah on our own luach lev. As the Pasuk says in Mishle, kotvem aluach libecha, the Torah just as it's chiseled, was chiseled onto those luchot, so too it should be chiseled onto your own Luchot or Luach Halev, which means to say Torah, the description of the Chachamim, is not merely and not only uh, a, uh, an intellectual pursuit which is detached from personality and from essence. It's rather something that's part and parcel of the individual. That's the statement already. It is who you are. That's the statement already to the extent that the Gemara in Masechet Pesachim and Mudbet, this is a well-known Gemara for other reasons, the passage immediately beforehand, but says the Gemara, Rav Sheshat, Kol Taltin Yomin Mehader Talmudeh Vetale Dasha. Rav Sheshat, every 30 days, he would review the, the limud that he had for those 30 days. And then, for one reason or another, he would stand at the threshold of a door. He would lean on the bolt of the door. And he would say, he would express, I guess, I mean, I'm not fully certain. You'd have to check the Mefarsheha Agada over there as to what the significance, my imagery of it is. It's a threshold. Threshold is a very important placement. When you get to the doorpost and you understand, this is what I'm taking with me, you make your greatest expressions. When you're entering into a room and you look at a mezuzah, you have your understanding of going from one domain into another domain of letting it penetrate your heart and soul and be who you are. Anyway, this is what he would say, Hadai nafshai, Hadai nafshai, lach karai, lach tanai. My soul should be rejoicing. My soul should rejoice. Because after all, for my soul, for you, lach karai, I studied Torah Shebikhtav. And lach, for my soul as well, tanai, I learned Mishnayot, Torah Shebaalteh, which means to say, the statement, again, about, you know, a Midrashic statement, but at its core, stating and telling us that Torah is not merely something that affects our minds, it affects who we are, it affects our soul. The Mishnah in Perkei Avot in Perek Yimau has this statement well known. On another occasion I talked about the Mahloket and Mefarshim, Aharonim and even some Rishonim, about whether this is still applicable to us. Now that we have Sifarim, now that we write things down, Maybe memory is less significant. Maybe we no longer have mitayev benashor. But the statement fundamentally is a person who forgets words of Torah. And the Mishnah goes on to say specifically if you're lax and you're allowing for it to be forgotten. Not heke, you don't have a good memory. But the statement is mitayev benashor. There's the nefesh again. You're hayav mita, so to speak. You are liable for punishment of death for that forgetfulness of Torah. What's the pasuk? They cite Shene'emar, Imar, the beginning of Parashat Vayet Hanan, Rakisha Melecha, Oshmon Avshecha Me'od, Ben Tishkach Et HaDevarim Asher Of course, the pasuk is referring to Ma'amad Har Sinai, but expanding it further, it's the entirety of Torah. Now that statement says Hafez Hayim, sounds like a punishment, he writes in source number four, I've seen this in the name of others, and it sounds like a punishment, but he suggests instead it's a reality. In other words, 
Uh, were you to forget the Torah that you studied, you're taking away from your very essence, you're losing from your soul. In other words, the Pazuk is not stating if you forget, well then God will strike you, there's a zap into you to take away from your soul. Rather, if the Torah is the very, the very essence of your soul, if it's Hadai Lach Nafshai, if it's the Rav Sheshat expression of Lach Karai, Lach Tanai, if it is, as we saw at the beginning, if it's part and part of who you are, so then if you forgot it, then you're effectively forgetting yourself, forgetting yourself. You're losing yourself to even sharpen it further. Nefesh HaChaim, in a very famous passage later in Sha'ar Dalit, in Perek Lamed, has the following distinction here in source number five. He says that when it comes to fulfillment of misvot, it's one status and stature that a person achieves. One says, when it comes to study of Torah, it's altogether different. He says that fulfillment of mitzvot, take a look at it. He says, you should know that the Torah has this further yitaron, extra. Um, what, how so? That's a, a, vis-a-vis, a, in contrast to mitzvot. In terms of the light and kedusha, sanctity, which a person achieves as a result of it. It says, even if we're to bring all the entirety of 613 mitzvot, and to compare it, of course, we know the Talmud Torah, kulam, but he's going to develop. Person fulfilled, it's impossible because we're not all Kohanim and Levim and so forth. But you've fulfilled all the mitzvot that are applicable to you in their entirety with every detail checked off. Kavanav, Taharak, Dushan, you really did it right with all the proper intentions. You now have turned yourself into what the Kabbalists refer to as a Merkava, a chariot of sanctity. Im nonetheless, in erich v'dimayon kelal kedushat ve'or ha-mitzvot legodel otsem kedushat o'or ha-torah ha-kedushat she'tofiyah nahara al ha-adam ha-osek ve'hogeh ba-karaui. It's a bold claim, but he says Torah is altogether different. Nonetheless, and all the more so, than that individual who fulfilled all the mitzvot. How so? Kireshit arka ba-kodesh hu hagbeha lema'ala ma'ala mishoresh ha-kedushat ve'or ha-elyon shal ha-mitzvot kulan yahad. Ve'gam ki kedushat ve'or ha-mitzvah asher teshachyun Ora, or Tishkon, maybe it should be Ora al Oto Hadavar Vehahevet Ashebov al Yado Teasea Mitzvah Enoshore Lehem Rak. Here's the key line, took a little bit to get here. Lefisha Ato Becha Mitzvah Naaset Bahem. This is when you fulfill Mitzvot, here's the key words. There is moments, there are times of Kedusha. You become a chariot, so to speak, of sanctity. But that's as you perform. That's maybe a little bit in the aftermath as there's reverberations in your life. says after that, the, the sanctity that you achieved through the fulfillment is dissipated. You lose that sanctity. You lose that state of being. It's during the time of performance. He says, of course, that's in contrast to Torah Kedoshai. He says, Torah is qualitatively different. Why so? He says, Torah is my words now, but we'll read it in his words in a moment, part and parcel of who you are, which means to say you can't disassociate. It's not just an activity, which after the performance onto something else, I can now disassociate from what was done in the past. If it's Torah, it becomes who you are. He likens it 
to the difference between uh, to, to, between kedushah or tashmishe kedushah and tashmishe mitzvah. The way it works is if you perform a mitzvah with any utensil, with a lulav, for example, you did a mitzvah afterwards. Technically speaking, we might want to be respectful to the lulav. We use it for another mitzvah, and so forth. But there's no kedushah inherent to the to lulav and etrog afterwards. That's the halacha. It's tashmishe mitzvah nizrakin. If it's tashmishe kedushah, in contrast, if it's the uh, the batim that you put your tefillin into, if it's the case to the Sefer Torah, they are nignazin. You can't just throw those out after you use them. What's the difference between the two? Of course, when you're dealing with a mitzvah, it's performance. Performance is over. Sanctity is not lost, but it's no longer there. When it comes to tashmishik kedushah, which is defined by the poskim as something that has the name of God written on it, it has Torah in it, tefillin, mezuzah, sefer Torah. In that circumstance, the tashmish, the matters which are serving it, so to speak, those which are encasing it never lose the sanctity because part and parcel of kedusha is its essence. You can't separate from it to the extent that the Gemara and Masechet Mo'it Katan, which we mentioned in past weeks, talks about a person who sees a, uh, an individual who's passing away. You're supposed to do a kiri'ah on that person as if they were a Sefer Torah. When you see a Sefer Torah being burnt, there are two kiri'ot, the Gemara says, one for the parchment, one for the words, and so too for an individual who sees someone passing away. Of course, the post scheme asks, is that applicable to an Am Ha'aretz who didn't study Torah? Is it applicable to a woman who might not be commanded in Torah? But when it comes down to it, you look at the individual, which means that a human being, part and parcel of who they are through their study of Torah, is a hafsash Torah. They've become Torah, they've become kotvem aluach to the extent that halachically speaking, you're doing kiri'ah, you're rending your garments, you're ripping your clothing over their loss, just as if they were a sefer Torah. What's that? How do you? How, what are we? What are we confused about? In, in our. I mean, yes. I mean, I will. A person who's engaging with the words and intentions of God. So biblical scholars consider If that's what he's doing, I'd have to find out what that individual is doing. Then yes. Then he has Torah. If he's touching on him through his study of the words of God, so then yes. You want to know, does it have to do with intentionality? Certain intentions. In other words, if there's no context of Devar Hashem, so then he's not really engaging in Devar Hashem. If it's, again, I said the context is important. If the context is, I'm answering you. I'm answering you. If a person's engaging in it without the context of Devar Hashem, so then he's Devar Hashem, he's Bizayon, he's a person who's scoffing at Devar Hashem and using it for inappropriate uses. That's a person for whom the Torah became Samhamadat. I'm talking about a person who's genuinely in an authentic fashion engaging in Torah or in a world of Devar Hashem and seeking truth through that. That's what we refer to as Torah. To the extent that Rabbi Salvechik, in more than one circumstance, spoke and wrote about this, it was published after his death in English, easiest to cite it for you over here in source number seven. It's one of the latest books of 
some people published of his works, Halachic Morality. Halachic Morality is his commentary on several of the first Mishnayot in Pirkei Avot here on page 210 to 211. We have a Torah Shebikhtav and a Torah Shebaalpeh, a written Torah and an oral Torah, he said. With reference to the first, we have said that the written word, indeed a single letter, has the dynamic power of setting Kiddushah upon a certain object or hallowing any object upon whose surface it is, it is engraved. That's what we said, by putting words of Torah, Torah Shebikhtav, onto a parchment, onto a piece of paper, chiseled into a stone, there's Kedusha. That's what we call Hatzash al Kedusha. That's immediately there through just writing those words, again, within the proper context. God's word in the written Torah has been crystallized in a tangible, invisible, scriptical, I guess, form. There is concreteness and sensuous reality to the word of the written Torah and the parchment upon which it is inscribed becomes sacred. Okay, that much we understand. You have a Sefer Torah. I say to you, show me Torah. You show me a Sefer Torah. I say to you, show me Torah. You show me a Humash. You show me Tefillin. You show me Mezuzah. He says, but wait a second. There's not only written Torah. There's not only Torah Shvichtam. There's also Torah Shvalpeh. Do you mean to tell me that this whole reality, this whole entity of Kiddushah, is relevant to Torah Shebikhtav, when you have something physical, an object in front of you, a parchment, a piece of paper, uh, a stone, a tablet. What about when it's Torah Shebaalpeh, when it's the oral tradition, when it's my thoughts of Torah, when it's my words of Torah? Is there, can it be, he writes at the end of this paragraph, that the oral Torah, that Torah Shebaalpeh, is stripped of the power of transmitting Kiddushah? So you might say yes. He says it's preposterous. If it's Torah, if you're truly seeking Devar Hashem, there has to be something that's achieving Kiddushah, that elevated status, by so doing the engagement in the Torah, I believe that the answer to this question is apparent. While the written Torah hallows an inanimate object, when I write words of Torah down on a piece of paper, the paper became Kadosh, such as the parchment on which the text of the Torah is written, the oral Torah hallows and sanctifies the human mind, we might add the human heart, we might add the human soul. The study of Torah Shavalpeh, aside from being my words always, I guess I stole them from him, an educational and intellectual gesture. It's more than that, enlightening the student, providing him with knowledge indispensable for perfect observance of the law. It's certainly so as well. Torah does teach us what to do. It teaches us how to think. It's a redemptive, cathartic act as well. It transforms your personality, cleanses the human personality, purging man of irreverent thoughts, uncouth uh, emotions, and vulgar drives unworthy of him. In a word, the engagement in the pursuit of Torah Shabbatah results in a great living experience which changes the condition of the human consciousness, makes it possible for man to apprehend a deeper selfhood. It sanctifies the human mind and heart, it should say, one's very personality indeed. It adds the human ontological experience a new dimension, and that is Kedusha. That's the point we're developing and making. Now, let me bring it back to, uh, before even reading this next source, why am I mentioning this all in the context of our Perek? Because Nefesh HaChayim's statement is that the Hatzalah from Ura Shel Gehinam, the Hatzalah from the Din Shel Gehinam, is relevant to an individual who engages in Torah. Why should it be so? What that person did sin, after all, if they did sin, they have to pay the punishment for that. How is it that Torah will separate them from that? And the suggestion goes as follows. Just like mitzvot, this is how I'm understanding it, just like mitzvot are part of who you are at the moment of engagement in them, 
but that kedusha kind of dissipates afterward. So to averot, the moment of their performance, yes, it leaves a certain stain as do mitzvot, positive or negative, but it somewhat dissipates. But your essence, who you are, what your nefesh, what your neshama, what your lev, what your sechel, what your moach, what you as a person are, that's the everlasting reality. That's the one of the Talmud Hacham of this person who studied Torah. Yes, Rabbi? Doesn't, doesn't the promise of all this It's a very interesting question. I don't know what L'Shem Shammai means. He began... Yes, so that's the question that your, that your benchmate asked me a few moments ago in different words. He asked me, is it even a Bible scholar? That, those were his questions. But uh, two things. First of all, the Gemara Masech Pesachim, which we began Sha'ad with, was which means to say that just the very engagement in it has a cathartic nature to it, which I think we can appreciate in life. You know those intangible moments? You know when I do this in those circumstances? In other words, you enter into some area, some domain, you're involved in an experience and you can't really express why and how it affected you, but it did, and you kind of just tripped upon it, stumbled into that circumstance and left that impression upon you. That's the description of Torah as well. In other words, something came out of it. It's the same thing if you came into it full-heartedly, sometimes even greater, usually not as much. But ultimately speaking, assuming you're not coming in with wrongful intentions, lekanter, lehitgadel, and so forth, well, certainly lekanter, lehitgadel is a question about, uh, so in that circumstance, we say there is something that is everlasting from the Torah. There is something that changed you as a personality. It's the Midrash that he's really referring to without stating it, Rabbi Salavejik over here, where the Midrash talks about the capability of Torah to purify and it likens it to individuals who are sent by their master, by the king, I forget, uh, to go down to the river and to fill up utensils. And the utensils have holes at the bottom. So some people just stop doing it. They say, what am I, I'm filling up utensils which have a hole in the bottom. I bring it up to the top of the mountain and all the water fills out. There's a few individuals who actually listen to the master, to the king or whoever is commanding them to do so. Of course, he punishes the ones who didn't listen. And they say, what's, what's going on? What did we do wrong? I mean, if this isn't an absolute midrash, I'm making it up. But it is a midrash. It's maybe a little bit, a few different details. But the statement of the Midrash is that just by bringing it up the mountain, just by filling it up with that water, well, it became purified. Did it really become purified? As I was doing so, I didn't realize I was purifying it. I thought I was filling it up in order to get some water up there. I was rushing up the mountain to try to get as much water as I could keep in it. The statement of the Midrash is there's a certain reality which takes effect upon the human consciousness, mind, heart, and soul, just by engaging in words of Torah. But that all being the case, that's his statement, I think, throughout this period. It's what he's been developing for us until now. It's the Ma'aseh, it's the story I mentioned last week with the Hafez Hayim, who was able to point to his heart and to say, this is where it's written. What do you mean it's written on your heart? If you became the embodiment of Torah, it means, well, now, Dinashil Gehenam is not relevant, but you sinned. Yeah, I sinned, but that was Lahuts. Uh, that wasn't, that was Mibahuts. That wasn't my essence. That was my wrongful intention in a moment. That was my fall. How can you prove that that was your fall and that's not who you actually are? Well, look at who I am. I studied Torah. I became a different person. It's the Gemara Masechet Avodah Zarah here that I love to cite on Dafyotet Amud Aleph, which is Doresh, that Pasuk, at the beginning of Tehillim. Kim b'Torat Adonai Chefso, the Pesukim initially referred to it as Torah Tashem. But immediately thereafter, in the Pasuk says, Ub Torato Yehgei Yom Of course, the Peshat and Pasuk is, 
you started with Torah Hashem, and now he's talking, you're referring to that Torah of Hashem, and up Torah Tov, the Chachamim understand it differently. Torah Hashem Chavzo, his will is in Torah Hashem, but then up Torah Tov in his own personal Torah, Yehegel, he'll study, he'll think, or whatever, he'll read, Yomam uh, Valayla, day and night. So which one is it? Is it God's Torah? Is it your Torah? Of course, the statement of the Gemara goes, Amar Rava, Batechila, initially, Nikreta, Shemoshela Kadosh Baruch you open up the book, you hear the words, you read the words, it's not yours. The more you study it, the more you understand it, the more you interpret it, the more you make it relevant to yourself, it becomes Torah Tov. That is the description of it becoming part and parcel of who you are. Part and parcel of who you are to the extent that, well, that Gehenom is not relevant to me. What are you talking about? You are a rotten person. I wasn't a rotten person. I did rotten things. But you need to be punished for that. All right, we'll deal with the punishment, but I don't have entrance into this domain. This domain is for rotten people. I'm not a rotten person. That's the description through and through to just give you a mashal to bring it further for you. It's from the words of Nefesh Hayim, and perhaps... I'm sorry, you're saying that if I say the Beit Midrash today, and I learn, we said, you know, I don't know this place or what is this place, and I don't think I have a problem with that, because it's just abstract, and it's not actualized. Now you're telling me it's the abstract that's more important than the actualization. No. But you just said, I'm not who I am, my, my abstract is who I am. No. <laughs> yeah. You did, because you're overdoing, you're, you're concretizing my words too much. No, because I'm explaining to you that Torah through fulfillment is also a Torah of understanding. A Torah of my life is definitional as well. I'm describing sins, I'm describing shortcomings as not necessarily who I am. Can I say with that actualization? No. Of course not. Of course not. But when I did the right thing, when I lived the right life, that was the fulfillment of Talmud Torah. I if you are, I mean, it's, it's hard to describe it as such, but if you were born and bred as a citizen of the United States of America, and that's how you grew up, and that's your mindset through and through, but you went against the law at one time, you didn't pay your taxes, you ran a bread light, you parked at a hydrant, and uh, the cop comes up to you and says, I'm, taking, I'm stripping you of your citizenship. Why are you stripping me of my citizenship? Well, look at what you just did. You went against the law. You, you defied the President of the United States. You defied our constitutional obligations. What are you talking about? But do you know who I am? Do you know the life I've lived? Do you know what I profess to be? I say, I don't know what you are, but that's, that's what I'm describing over here. No, but you have 25,000 speeding tickets over the course of your life. Does that not make me an abiding citizen of the United States? No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Everything else in my life adds up. It's a life that I profess to. It's a life that I've taught my children about. It's who I am at my core. So I've made a lot of mistakes. That's the description I have over here. So it's not only in the abstract sense of the study, and I'm a law professor, so I know the Constitution, I understand the amendment. It's the life I've lived. It's, uh, of course, they're, they're coupling with one another. And if you just know the Institution, and you only conceptualize the amendments and haven't actualized them, so then you don't actually know them. We understand that as well. And that's 
in the context of Torah. But just to, uh, now, now that you gave me the mashal, I don't really need to end with the mashal, but I'll end with the mashal anyway. Nefesh HaHayim and Sha'ar'alif Perek Vav, my favorite passage in the book, but uh, maybe one of the most famous. It's, a, it's, it's Kabbalistic in nature and it touches on truths that we seem to, I seem to return to on a constant and consistent basis. He describes, and I remember the first time learning this and how it opened my eyes to, as I understand it, much of Torah reality. He describes the difference before and after the eating from the tree, from Etz Hadat, as a nuanced difference, but a significant, a significant one. Which means to say, he says, listen, it's impossible that there wasn't an evil inclination before eating from the tree. How could they eat from the tree afterward? After all, if they lived in a world of absolute truths of emet and shekui, because then they couldn't have eaten from the tree. This is the catch twenty-two people get caught in, right? So how is it possible they ate from the tree if they lived in a world of emet and shekui, and now they get into a world of tov and ra? In other words, a world of humanity, of inclinations, of drives, of hedonistic pleasure, and so forth. Can't be. So then, what is the difference before and after? He says the difference before and after. My words, you could read in his words afterwards, is what is your essence and what is an external urge. Beforehand, the essence was emet and sheker. There was an external urge of humanity. They were human beings. They had, uh, we are made from Adama, and as a result, we have, and even had then, I always say it like this, it's a cute and clever way of saying it, Adam is Adama, but it's also Adame, which means to say we're made both flesh and soul. And Torah tells us that, but he's also afamin ha-adama. So before eating from the tree, they were still Adama, maybe it was 10% Adama, maybe it was 5%, being like their creator, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but it was still there after eating from the tree, so then it flipped. Which means, say, everything I'm developing and discussing with you is just that point in different terminology. If your study of Torah is your essence, if you're that Talmud Hacham that we've been describing, if it became your nefesh, if it became Dorato, if it became, uh, if it became for you, uh, what was it, Kotvem Aluach Libecha, that's your essence. It's in fact the way the Hachamim described Ma'amad Harsinai and Matan Torah. Ma'amad Harsinai was the reversal of eating, right? It's the Gemara Masechet Avodah Daf that by eating we got pronounced upon us the inevitability of a fatality of death, of uh, you're going to die. Uh, the reception of the Torah, Harut al Haluhot, Atikre Harut al Harut. It's a freedom from Malachamavit, which means to say, I'm back to an inclination toward emet and shekas. Sure, there's an external drive. I fall with that external drive. There's always, there's never a hundred and zero because you're a human being, Jared. We were created as human beings. So it's 98.2 one way, and let's call it today 98.2 the other way. Or if you're a Sadiq like you, maybe uh, better. But what I'm saying is, ultimately speaking, there will always be that contest that that schism that that showdown within us the question is what's your essence that's what he's describing throughout if torah is your essence not not individually that's the statement if torah is your again hard to define that your choices matter very much your choices matter very that's and right, no but, you're, but if you're sinning on a consistent and constant basis, then guess what? That's not your essence. If I'm murdering people, then I'm not a citizen of the United States. No, but I profess to be, but you're murdering people left and right. And you enslaved people, and you go against every one of the, institu- of the constitutional laws and amendments, then that's not your essence. No, but I'm a law professor, I know it all. What's that? As long as the Bible applies to 
Uh, hard to define it that easily, but you're on the right. You're on the right track. That, in turn, again, to summarize, Nefesh Ha'ayim began this chapter, and he talks about it throughout, about this power of the Torah to be Maselet Midina Ve'ura Shel Gehenom. What I'm suggesting is the ability is such that sinning becomes an external force and feature of you, whereas your essence is that of Torah. That defines your Nefesh, your live, and your Moh. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.